I think Black Angus doesn't get close enough to an actual steakhouse. Whereas, like, That's I haven't true. been to Australia. I don't know what it's like <laughs> over there. Maybe it's like this. <laughs> Welcome to Video Game Optimism. It's the Optimist Video Game Variety Show where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming. Today, my friends, I am Chase. Uh, and I am David. Welcome to our Holy Cathedral of Gaming. Holy Cathedral? That's r- that's right. You're really making us sound quite fancy with that. I'm, uh, I'm playing Diablo right now, so I just, I've, oh. I've, got, I've got Christ on the mind, David. <laughs> You've got Christ on the mind while playing Diablo. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is heaven and hell stuff. Yeah. It's my one sanctuary, my boy. Diablo? Uh, no, JC. Or Christ. <laughs> yeah, Christ. <laughs> the sanctuary of your mind is created by yeah. Christ. Yeah, it's true. I don't I mean, I, that's that's about the extent of my religious knowledge jokes. I have nothing really. Chase, it's uh, okay. You can come out. This is a Christian podcast now. <laughs> um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that wave of 2000s metalcore bands that were all like, yeah, we're Christian to uh be able to sell records to a lot more people. Looking at you, Creed. Uh is Creed a Christian band? Yeah. Oh wow. I don't think yeah. I knew that. I mean, he talks about like going to the place with golden streams and yeah, going to heaven, right? Place where blind men see. Place where blind men see. Damn, David. It's a Christian band, baby. Maybe they just need to play Diablo. I bet Creed would be pretty good at Diablo. If Creed started streaming Diablo as a group, <laughs> that would be quite the experience God, yeah, in 2023. I would, re- I would really watch that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new version of Twitch Plays Pokemon. Creed plays Diablo. <laughs> While blasting Creed in the background. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> get copyright claimed on their own website i mean it would probably happen it would probably happen for sure hey can i can i uh ask ask a favor yeah what can i go first yeah dude cool please i got so many games right now (laughs) i feel like (laughs) this happens every time i finish a really good game i get it all of the energy that i had directed towards zelda Mm-hmm. just sort of exploded and splintered off into eight different directions I've, I've always thought of it as me just like trying to find something that gives me that same kind of high mm-hmm. i'm chasing i'm chasing the dragon right now after <laughs> after beating this game yeah and i need something to, to fill the void and it's usually nothing quite quite <laughs> doing that so i yeah. need like five things <laughs> that's that's kind of what's going on although i will say i am enjoying most of these games so it's not that they're oh, yeah. disappointing, but I, I think I just had so much, like, uh, excuse me, gamer momentum after going out of Zelda <laughs> that um, <laughs> I just, uh, I needed to, to, to play more video gamer games. Moment. And thankfully there's it. a lot of them right now, which is pretty cool. There's a, there's so many games out right now. Yeah. Cool. Then let me start. Please. I want to start with System Shock, David. Whoa. Yes. Like the classic, classic System Shock from like... The 90s? Is that yes. Partially. Yeah. Re- uh, very recently, like a week or two ago, there was a remake of it that came out. No way. I had no idea. Yeah. It's for for the moment, I think it's PC only. I My understanding is that they are going to release it for like consoles and stuff, but they uh, for now, it's just on Steam, um, which may be why it hasn't like popped up on, an, on your radar quite yet. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, so like they, they put out a remake of, like you were saying, the, the very classic game. It came out in 1994. In fact, it's it's been a minute. Wow. Which I, I think it's worth going over a little bit of that like history of that game. Mm-hmm. 
or at least the impact of it, because I this was like just before my time. Like if this came out in 1994, I am four years old at that very moment. So like I'm not going to be able to play a real thinky kind of game. No, no. What it's a, it's a because it's a sim. It's an immersive sim. immersive yeah. sim, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I'll I'll get to in a second. Like why why it is that? Uh huh. But like essentially, it it comes out and like I don't think that it had like a gigantic splash it's sort of after the fact that people were like oh shit this is really incredible and then also seeing the impact that it had on had on other games was really apparent too like Mm -hmm. in the original one it was one of the first games i don't think it was exactly the first but it was one of the first games to have like audio logs as a way to tell story oh which was ken levine has entered the chat exactly yeah well uh, yeah and there's like kind of that direct connection because ken levine would go on to make bioshock after this which is like very much a spiritual successor to system shock yeah and a lot of the same people who worked on system shock would also work on bioshock yeah so it was mostly just like an inspiration point system shock but there were like a lot of people working on this game that were pretty significant at the time doug church is one of the people who was there um austin grossman and warren specter were people who were working on this game who like would eventually go on to do a bunch of other gaming shit Mm -hmm. and so it's this like very foundational piece of video games and one that i think like i didn't really discover the effects of this game or the like you know, quote unquote, like real immersive Sims until kind of later in playing video games. Mm-hmm. Like I missed this one originally. Obviously, I was a child. I never played a Deus Ex when that came out. Mm-hmm. I think Dishonored is sometimes listed as an immersive Sim. Yeah, I, I'll say like when I first I played those when they came out and kind of didn't get it. Dishonored. Yeah, like and, and to be honest, mm-hmm. still kind of don't. I think like Dishonored sure. for whatever reason, just like something about it kind of doesn't jive with me in the perfect way. Hmm. Uh, but I really liked that that reboot of Deus Ex that we had kind of talked about recently. Yeah. And really, really liked Prey that came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the one where I was like, oh, shit, this is a really, really good kind of video game. Yeah. And one that I think just because it is so hard to make, you don't see a lot of them very often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of recently that I like picked up on this vein of genre, right? Okay, I, I am interested in these kinds of games. Um, and so kept playing the Deus Ex games and then was stoked because like I had never played System Shock, but had seen screenshots of System Shock and was like, I don't know, you guys. I don't know if I can go back to this. <laughs> like, Fair. It looks really, really dated in a way that like sometimes doesn't really bother me, but it was in that period of mm-hmm. time where games were trying to be 3D, but like hadn't quite figured it out. Yeah. Like, you know, like Star Fox on Super Nintendo is like the frame rate is really bad and like the controls are kind of rough. So like it's sort of of that ethos of like the the UI is pretty tough and like maybe it could get over the graphics, but like just interfacing with the game looked like a challenge. Mm -hmm. However, in the remake of the game, they've uh, changed a lot of that to the point where it's a lot easier and a lot more modern to to play which i was excited about because i was like great i can experience this and from what i understood it wasn't a reboot it was a remake so sure they were mostly trying to adhere like okay we're just kind of gonna update this game visually and like ui wise Mm -hmm. and so yeah i fired this up and initially i was kind of like i don't know if i get it like if i Mm -hmm. get why this is such a big deal and i i mostly went into it without the context that i'm talking to you about now Mm -hmm. of like what like what was the impact of this game what are the things that it is doing that were novel and i i think what happened was it's like if you ever listened to like rock and roll after the 70s uh-huh you like go back and listen to anything before it you're like yeah this kind of sounds like the rest of it right like why is this 
that dramatic, but it's like, no, uh-huh. you have to like kind of understand that this is like the first time that this has happened. Mm-hmm. Context so, is like, important. Yeah. And, and so like when I'm playing through it, I'm like, this does feel like a very modern game mm-hmm. as far as like the way it's designed, but like not so far out of the realm of possibility. And it wasn't until that I was like, oh, like this game is doing a bunch of shit in here that like literally wasn't done before or done well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it became a lot more easier to appreciate un- under that circumstance of like, okay, they're doing a lot with the storytelling with these audio logs they really open you up to do kind of whatever on the space station almost immediately mm-hmm I should back up and explain what happens in this game. It, it's it's pretty simple, honestly. Like you, you start out and you're some nameless hacker that's trying to hack into this company called Tri Optimum and to get like some kind of like schematic for a neural implant or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh you get caught like the presumably the police show up and they catch you and punch you and knock you out and you're taken to this like space station um that tri optimum owns like it's theirs and uh it, like you're put in front of a computer and this dude's like hey i'm one of the executives at tri optimum i will give you that neural implant if you want it all you have to do is like hack into this uh the space station's ai and change it for me he's like i'm running into like a lot of issues with the guardrails of, of mm. the ai and uh your character immediately does that hacks in and changes it all and like takes off all the guardrails and he's like okay great the procedure i'm gonna have to put you in a coma for six months so just like chill for a while oh and like maybe there'll be some more work for you later all right puts you in a coma you get the neural implant you wake up and the space station's fucked sure the the ai has run rampant and everybody is either dead or turned into this like mechanical human hybrid that's like totally fucked up oh no and so a lot of the story that is playing out there is like audio logs of how did this happen what happened what did people try to do Mm -hmm. i'm like that sort of stuff it's very bioshocky right like anytime you run into a new area in bioshock it's like you see the state of the place and then you Mm -hmm. get told how it happened through these audio logs yeah and like similar to bioshock and i guess similar to system shock is more appropriate there's not a lot of like npc contact you don't really hang out with anybody else it's mostly just like enemies and robots and things you have to overcome to get to the next area Mm -hmm. and it kind of where the immersive sim part comes in is that it it just gives you very little like it says like okay escape essentially like get out of here and uh somebody calls you and they're like hey the ai is currently planning on shooting a big laser at earth and killing everybody (laughs) like please stop that (laughs) um and that's pretty much it like you wake up and there's like a crowbar and you pick up a crowbar Uh and uh you go wander out into the space station and there's like an automated message that plays from this ai called shodan or Shadan or whatever. I, I'm actually not clear on the pronunciation, but they say like, okay, here's the 14 levels of the space station. You're in medical, which is like lower, and here's everything on every level. And the next implication is that eventually you do get a call from the actual Sh- Shadan, not the automated message, but the AI who has taken over the station. She's like, hey, uh, A, fuck you. I don't like you. And I'm going to turn you into a robot like I turned everybody else into a robot and I'm going to blow up Earth. She keeps calling you like an insect, essentially, like very menacing sort of stuff. Damn. Which is great. I really like that. It's very fun. It's it's like GLaDOS without the humor. Like she's just sure. menacing and terrifying. Stone Cold GLaDOS. Yes. And so the 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 game essentially gates you by saying, hey, if you want to proceed, you're gonna have to like take these levels over 
to do that, you can just like destroy these cameras that have Shadan's uh, like AI in them. And there's also mm-hmm. like AI core areas that you can go and fuck up if you want to. But a lot of the challenge is like, how do I get there? Which is, you know, you kind of just open up into a map and it's like, all right, well, let me go check over in this room. And all right, I got a key card from that. And there was an audio log that told me what the door code for this area is. So let me go put that in. And then, well, it looks like there's a a gap between this area that maybe there would be a bridge in so let me fall down over here and like go see if i can't fix that sure until you've you know either crushed enough crushed enough of the like ai cores or the cameras to proceed up a level it's like she's essentially stopping you from using the elevator if she's got control of the level so you can move through it that way which is it's all really fun i think this game is mostly a mechanical experience i I think bioshock and and all of the games in that series lean a little bit heavier on the story which i I think i I wasn't expecting but that's like the context i was coming into it with and so to to have it be like the story is mostly just like this place is all fucked up and the people here got pretty screwed it's it was a kind of an adjustment to be like oh this is mostly just like a mechanical playground sure that you get to go hang out in yeah and also not in the way that prey was right i think prey had a lot of like rpg in it and this mm. one has not as much of that sure it's a lot more just straight down the middle immersive sim of like i can either jump over this pit or i can't and if i can't then let me go try and figure out a way to get around that Mm -hmm. which is cool i i think like it's i wouldn't call it a more pure version of that but it reminds me of stuff like in far cry 2 where you have this kind of emergent gameplay that's happening that isn't necessarily the consequence of like me leveling up my hacking skills or something like that sure It's just like things that the game designer did not plan are happening. And that's fun and cool. Not to mention there are these like sections where you get to dive into like cyberspace to hack stuff. Uh huh. You don't have to have a skill. It just turns you like put your face right next to this like weird computer and you go into like a very 80s version of cyberspace. Oh, great. I love that. It's very good. (laughs) Um, You're just like a polygon floating around in like rooms and stuff. Beautiful. Yeah, it, it. I looked in the original version. It looks pretty tough in in the OG version, but they've done a lot to like stylize it here to the point where it's like very visually fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's cool. I I really like a lot of this game. I also want to mention that like the the visuals of it are pretty interesting and neat. It is very much realized in 3D. But when you get right up on like the textures of something, it it's like, I wouldn't call it pixelated, but it is built of pixels. Like it doesn't look bad. It's, it's oddly hard to describe, built of, but built of pixels, but not <laughs> pixelated. Yeah. Like it, it, there are enough of them that it doesn't look like a, an NES game. Uh-huh. Uh, but when you get right up next to it, you can see like what the mm. texture is. It's like a collage or something like that. Kind of, yeah. And and like you really you don't really notice it while you're just kind of wandering around. It just looks like a 3D space. But because of that, it's got this really interesting visual language that is almost saying, like, we know that this is a game from 1994. We've just kind of updated it to the point where like it is living in 2023, but acknowledging that it is a remake. Yes. This is a remake of an old game. This is what it looks like (laughs) uprezzed. Yeah, and and it, it's it's just fascinating. I haven't seen a game company do that. It, it's either we have just literally upresed it to 1080p, or it is Final Fantasy VII remake, and literally everything is built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Rather than like we've kind of done this this middle ground where mm. like I I turned all the the stuff up to like ultra the the graphics quality on my computer because I was like this thing is running really cool. Like, am I not did I not like turn something on? 
mm-hmm. but it's not the case. It's just like not doing that much like heavy 3D lifting. Sure. Um, because like, like yeah, it's, it's a piece of cake. Lightweight. Yeah. Like the textures aren't that complicated. So it's it, it just it, it's worth at least looking at screenshots of it because it looks really interesting. I can see why this game had the effect that it did just just based on the amount of wild stuff that it was doing. And I, like I know that there were immersive sims before this. I think Ultima is one of them. Mm. And like I, I've looked at screenshots of those games and as much as System Shock looks dated, those ones look really dated. Sure. And so I, I do think this was maybe one of the first times that it was like, OK, this is something more modern. And so, it, like I said, it, it's fascinating to to trace the influence here from this to like Bioshock to like any number of like action story games. Sorry, I'm looking I'm looking at yeah. a pic, the pictures of the cyberspace. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is just a very stylized 80s cyberspace like neon. It looks like a club. <laughs> yeah. It looks yeah. like a fancy club. Just neon and glass mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's cool. I, I, I think they've done a lot of really good work on the visuals of this in a way that I don't really see that often from remakes. Like they are taking into consideration what the game is and how long it has been since this game into the visual layer. Oftentimes it's just kind of like we updated it so it can run on a higher resolution screen, but there's more to it than that. And in this case, which I think is great. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. System shock. Good. I didn't even know this was remade, so I'm kind of interested. I've never played yeah. this one, but I've always heard people say it's a, b- a big influence on them as far as their their gaming career. A lot of uh, yeah designers cite that cite this game, so it's it kind of it's a it's a piece of history, truly. Totally, I I, I do hope it eventually gets to console because like similar to conversations that we've had about Metal Gear before, I think that like it is kind of tough to play this. I mean, like I. I would consider myself myself someone who doesn't really get turned off by something aging that badly. Usually Mm. I I like PS one games and I like that aesthetic a lot and I like tank controls, which is objectively not a very fun way to control a video game, but (laughs) I like it. But even this one, I was like, I don't know if I could do it, you know? And there's honestly a number of games like that for me from this era. Mm -hmm. I I, I tried to play the original couple fallouts and had a really hard time with that too. Just like the the UI design is really challenging in a way Mm. that like people were still figuring out how to do this. Gotcha. It's like, I need to learn a whole new system. Yeah, exactly. Like how do I literally, how do I move in this game? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. This one's worth a look if, if you're interested in like game history or if you just like like a good game. It's pretty fun still. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So yeah. What else? I am also playing Diablo 4, David. Nice. I'm really interested to see, to hear your thoughts on this one because I'm considering playing this with Mal. Yeah. Let's see. So I I am not a Diablo head. Same. I played three and thought it was like, yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the sort of like loot grind stuff that it was doing in there. Uh-huh. But I, th- this was another one of these games where I tried to go back to Diablo 1 and 2 and had kind of a hard time. Like, yeah, it, it didn't work well with what I was, I think, maybe expecting or hoping for in that game. I think for me, Diablo is, or at least games like this, I think Torchlight is also in a similar vein where I kind of do need mission markers and like mm-hmm. help a lot of the time because I kind of just want to like enjoy the mechanical experience that they have laid out for me. But I think that the first couple of Diablos were just like, you got to read the quest log and figure out where it is. And like, <laughs> yeah, that's I, I think that there is fun in that. But I I don't know that that is something I look to games for unless yeah. it's like 
something incredibly well considered like Outer Wilds or something like that, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have to think about it, but there's only like so much stuff, you know, like if they're describing the twin planets, I know what that is and kind of can like go find that in Outer Wilds. But if it's like, go south and then you'll see a dead bear and then go east from there and then there's a cave and it like all looks kind of the same. Like, is that oh, mass man. of brown pixels surrounded by that mass of black <laughs> yeah. pixels a dead bear? Or or uh, is it a dragon or is that the cave? I don't know. Is it a rock? Is it a ditch? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I know that those games were like incredibly important to some people and uh, like I know, I know a lot of people who have like put hours and hours and hours into the first couple to like you know run through the campaign and do it again on a harder mode to get better gear and shit like that and it was also one of the first games that did that that like gear grind in in a way that i i think hit mass market right which is something that you see everywhere now like every game Mm -hmm. has loot and like weapon levels and stuff like that that is in so many games and so i think the influence is gigantic here anyway point being i I played three it was like fine i I didn't really return to it Mm -hmm. um i just kind of played through it and was like yeah sure that was cool yeah but wasn't crazy about it 11 years later here they are with diablo 4 and I was interested with what Blizzard does with this. Like, yeah, I think 11 years ago, you didn't have as much of this. You didn't have every game having loot. You didn't have God of War having gear levels or anything like that. Or sure. you still didn't have those big flashy games like Destiny that were like, we're doing gear and like the grind in a major way that is kind of different but still like very much influenced by Diablo. And so I think that the intermediary time has shifted a lot as far as like looter shooters and gear and grinding is concerned. Mm -hmm. And so like going back to Diablo 4, I'm like, what? Like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. And uh, I can't speak to the end game. Obviously, I haven't played it that much, but I, I think that there's a lot to love here. And I think that the answer that they have for what do we do is just make a really good Diablo game. Yeah. Like the, that part of it is the, the kind of grinding and gear upgrading and stuff like that. That is pretty much the same. Like there mm-hmm. isn't, as far as a layman goes, like I, maybe somebody who was like really deep into Diablo 3 would be like, no, dude, they changed the like uh, the way you set gems into equipment. But for me, like for my money, I it, it feels very much the same thing. Sure. They just, I think, have honed pretty much everything else around it. The combat feels incredible. It's really, really good and really tight. Mm-hmm. I'm playing like a, a sorcerer, essentially. Nice. And so a lot of it is just like casting fireballs and firebolts and lightning and shit like that, dashing around the, the battlefield to try and like keep distance from people and, and fighting people that way, which which feels really, really good. I think they... They do uh, the the smart thing of you, you've got like skill trees and shit, right? So whenever you get a level up, you can put a point into a fire spell or an ice spell or something. Experiment with those and figure out like which one of these work with how I want to play. And then if it sucks, you can just refund your points for like minimal amounts of gold, like very, very little gold and totally change your, your play style altogether. Um, like today I was playing mostly like fire focused stuff and I was like, fuck it, I want to try lightning and then totally changed it and redid it and was like, this is great. It feels like kind of different, but they, they all of that just feels like fun to do. Like it is literally mm-hmm. fun to click and blow dudes up. I think that the, the thing that I have noticed the most dramatic change in is the tone of this game. Okay. I think that Diablo 3 almost was getting to the point of being closer to World of Warcraft than it was the mm. original two Diablos. Sure. Like the tone in the first two is pretty 
dark, dark. and dour. Yeah. The devil's back. Yeah. Yeah. Literally Satan's here. Yeah. And I, I, I don't blame them for in the third one trying to see like what does it mean to be Diablo 3 now because it had been so long since 2 that like graphics had really changed entirely I, I don't think it's a bad idea to try and rediscover like what their visual language was at that time but uh-huh. I do think it took away from the tone a little bit of them trying to be like it's the devil and stuff and there's angels and, and all that sort of <laughs> stuff going on God and Satan yeah but like from the jump in this one it is much more frightening and scary and like the they've shown this like uh cinematic that essentially serves as the intro of this game i think at at some places before but it's like essentially these three dudes walk into some kind of like or four of them are are like in some kind of old tomb or relic or something like that and there's all these like demons coming after him there's like one guy who's like maybe a priest or something Mm -hmm. and they'll get tossed into this room some kind of ritual starts happening and it looks like they've all kind of been misled and like their blood is coming being drawn out of them by this like fucked up priest guy oh no on these like big pillars in the middle of the room it eventually forms this like thin layer of like kind of fleshy film over the top of this area oh god and um fleshy film is a bad bad time tough yeah and uh the the demon lilith like is birthed out of that film well and she eventually like wears that that film like as a cape in this room it's like really striking imagery but uh like frightening from the jump and i i gotta say like they they have done so much to make the encounters with lilith just horrifying in the game is she the big bad uh it it seems that way if she isn't then i would be surprised but that's where where i'm at in the game that is yeah she's the main antagonist Mm -hmm. and she's so menacing just in every scene that she's in it's incredible like uh there was this scene that i saw today where like there you you like walk into this like church essentially and there's some like priest giving a sermon and he's like everybody here is like fucked up you've all been gambling and uh sinning and drinking and like none of this is good and eventually like lilith starts monologuing in the background and then shows up like in the room and the way that those shots are composed is just like so striking and frightening Uh in a way that like kind of invokes religious imagery where like Lilith is just like a shadow like a shade and she is positioned like right in the middle of the screen in this Uh like horrifying way and they really let you linger on that shot for a little while it's not this like kind of weird dutch angle in the corner where you see her coming out of the corners or anything like that or it's not trying to jump scare you it kind of lets you see her in a way that is like really frightening Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of like in uh, like hereditary or something like that where mm-hmm. some of those shots they really let you see what's going on in there they sure like do. still very scary yeah and and for the same reason i think this one is really really good that the way that that scene plays out is that essentially like lilith comes in the room and convinces all these people like uh you should follow me fuck this guy essentially and like <laughs> give into what you want to do you should just uh-huh. do that and the 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 people promptly murder this guy uh-huh. and like the way that they animate the people like fighting him is just horrifying like the faces just of the like people crazed animals essentially yes like the the woman who's like you know hitting him with some like religious trinket or something like her eyes look crazed right like just she's she's out of her mind and like almost smiling in part of it oh man it's really good like I think that they 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 do so much to set the tone as like this place is not good and yeah in a way that I'd never really experienced in Diablo three there were like hints at that tone but I think the game 
kind of undercut itself sometimes with like it being kind of goofy or like the the parts of it just didn't really hit as hard whereas like this is really always reminding you like shit's fucked down here man now blizzard really knows how to make a good cinematic yes yeah like those 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 ones for overwatch are like pixar level quality it feels (laughs) sometimes so it's it's cool to see that they're able to to switch tones so well to horror and genre so well to horror and still make it effective and interesting and cool kind yeah. of in a way no yeah terrifying it's, it, but cool it is cool and like at no point am i really like quaking in my boots but i'm really glad that like they are able to hit this tone because it's exciting it's it's very fun to exist in this world of like mm-hmm. i don't know what the next story beat is going to be but i know it's going to be a little spooky um <laughs> just really really good and I, I i think it is closer to the tone that they were setting in the first couple which i, I know that some people will be happy about but i i do think that like it the, that tone is more effective for this kind of game you are very much trying to like go in and like root out evil in the way that the game works, right? Like these like dungeons that you go into, you are just kind of diving deeper and deeper into them and to eventually fight some like horror that lay at the bottom of this catacomb. Yeah. Which is is, is good. I think it, it sets up the, the fact that there is like unknown terrors in this world pretty well and that maybe you should be scared because it is hard to beat these people, right? Like mm-hmm. you do have to prepare yourself and stuff, but I think it is really fun to go down into just a, a dungeon fight a bunch of like skeletons and goat men and little <laughs> horrors that they've summoned and stuff <laughs> skeletons and goat men there are, i mean there Damn. are literally goat men in this it's very good yeah like satyrs right i think so they don't call them that but like yes do they same, call them same. goat men they do call them goat men yes really i love yeah. that what about man goat uh no man goat so far but i i haven't gotten all the mm-hmm. way into it you can only dream can you I, I i will also say i really like the way that they are depicting someone's someone kind of being broken by evil mm. they they do a good job of showing people like who initially are, are are like sometimes talking directly to lilith and being like i've heard of you people used to tell stories about you i don't want to be around you and it shows very well of lilith kind of just like inviting them in and like inducing a little bit of doubt yeah and them slowly kind of walking through the process of like eventually losing their mind you know sure which is great i think it's really good it's it's hard to do you know like uh, i i think on the other end of that you've got something like vegeta in the majin buu saga where he literally has like a tattoo on his forehead that's like i'm a bad guy now i got my mind (laughs) taken over you know i'm bad vegeta yeah the m stands for malo for malo (laughs) which is like not subtle right like that is not he's literally wearing it on his forehead what is going on and doesn't he have like darkness around his eyes too does it look like (laughs) he's he's like wearing wearing eyeliner or something yeah yeah, eyeshadow or something eyeshadow right so good i think in this and i I think you also get it in something like mass effect where the like idea of indoctrination is in there where they don't show it overtly all the time somebody isn't like hunched over and like i look like a bad guy now it's just sort of like their actions have changed and you see the the kind of subtle ways that that's happening like i said people do suddenly turn on a dime and kill a priest so it's not always uh subtle like that but i do think there Mm -hmm. are instances where i'm like that was pretty good that was a pretty good way to depict someone kind of like having their mind broken and tricked into working or sure. co- uh, cooperating with Lilith. Yeah. How have they, how have they been deceived and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Bamboozled into doing something bad. It's, uh, it's really great. I'm having a really good time. Uh, I, I'm going to continue playing this and I do think that there is, I will have more to say once I've gotten closer to the end of the game, because I know that for a lot of people, that's like the, the game mm-hmm. doing this on a harder difficulty or the kind of end game content or anything like that. But 
I will say that's usually not why I'm in these kind of games. And so I am just sort of enjoying the ride Mm. for the moment, but I am interested to see like, how long does this last? Does it wrap up nicely? Is the tone able to maintain like this all the way through or does it get ridiculous the the farther you get into it? But uh, for right now, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's really fun. Oh, yeah. I'm into that. I want to try this one. Yeah, it's worth it. And I I think for you and Mal specifically, it might be worth just like setting the table that there is not as much like RPG happening in this. Sure. Not as much role playing. There are definitely levels and stats going on, but I think it is like it's mostly a combat game. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than like, let's go into a town and figure out what to do and talk to a trickster and like all that sort of stuff. <laughs> like you <laughs> had in Divinity. Yeah. See what Patches is up to. But yeah, it's a real look. Anyway, nice. I'm I'm playing about six other games, but the one I'm, I'm going to talk about <laughs> one of them right now, which is Mass Effect Andromeda, David. Whoa. <laughs> Did so you, have have a, you played this one yet? I have played probably about an hour of it before playing when it When it first time. came out, right? Yeah. And yeah. I was really turned off by it initially. Yeah, I remember. I played like a little bit of the intro and got through to like essentially the title card. I got to uh, the Nexus essentially in the game, mm-hmm. which for people who have played will know what that is. But it's like an hour or two into the game, which is, I will say, having played more of it, not very much of the game. So yeah, where to start? This game is a lot. There's a lot to say about sure. this one. I will say that like the first trilogy is like very important to me as as a video gamer. I I, like every one of them came out at kind of a critical point in my like actual life and my video game life. Right. Uh, The first one was 2007. It was like in kind of late high school there. Still very much playing video games. But like I I don't know. It felt like kind of a shift of what I expected from games and what I wanted from games. I had like played a bunch of other Bioware games up to this point, but hadn't really experienced this level of like wow this is a fucking cool game dude Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was always into space so like i'm kind of a sucker for that stuff but yeah second one came out in 2010 and then three in 2012 so like just kind of big milestones at the time it was like right during high school right towards the end of it and then a little ways afterwards too yeah i was like shockingly broke at the time that 20 or the mass effect 2 came out so had to like solder the inside of my xbox 360 to hack it and then try to download mass effect 2 on like multiple big uh, dvds and shit did you really i did yeah i had no idea about this (laughs) that's amazing it was janky it was a very janky way to play that game but i did play it that way it worked it worked yeah it was it it would freeze and like blow up every now and then but (laughs) yeah got to the end of it but yeah so point being like the first three just like influenced me a lot and oftentimes i think when i'm thinking about what i like in games mass effect comes up in my head Mm -hmm. of like i like this and that and this thing and that thing and so it's sort of an impossible task to imagine a game that could follow that up. And and I think I tried to temper my expectations as much as I could when I was starting to play Andromeda. But even still, the first time I fired it up, I was like, I don't think this is it, man. <laughs> like, I don't think this is the one. Um, and on launch, there were a number of like kind of tough technical issues that were going on with the game. That yeah, I remember that. Kind of remind like it reminds me of the cyberpunk situation of like, there's just a lot of stuff during the, the very early days that I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really want to play that right now. And so at the time had set it down. I was like, 
like, I'll come back to this later, which is now. It's on Game Pass. So I was like, all right, let me let me just try this. I'm in the mood for more Mass Effect. I've been uh, listening to Asynchronous, a good video game podcast, play through the the trilogy um, the past, like, I don't know, year and a half or so, maybe just year. I actually don't know how, how long it's been. And just was reminded constantly about like, I really like this universe and these people and these characters. It's, like, a great it's very universe. good. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to give Andromeda a shot because surely there's something in there that is good. Mm hmm. And I am finding this time there is stuff that is good in there. Good. It is sometimes buried, but huh. there is yeah. good, good stuff in this game. It's around. Yes. I will say for anybody who's maybe considering looking at this game or playing through it, I think it took about four hours until I was like, hey, this is Mass Effect. I'm playing mm-hmm. a Mass Effect game. Up until then, it was kind of just like a weird three three sixty era shooter. The the for those who don't know, like the setup of the game is that you are on this arc essentially that was sent through space from the Milky Way to the mm-hmm. Andromeda Galaxy, and the the people on it have been asleep for like six hundred years, right? Like a long time. And you you show up to this like galaxy and these planets and systems with the hope of like we're gonna find a new home here. That immediately goes to shit when you come out of like the the dark space, right? When you show mm-hmm. up to these planets, things go really bad really quickly, and like the planets that you expected to be totally habitable are really not that sure and so a lot of the the initial part of the game is just like figuring out what's going on and why um there's this thing called the nexus that is kind of like the citadel from the first ones it's like that's pretty much what the the figure it's holding in this game Mm -hmm. and you show up there and like the lights aren't on there's like only a couple people there and they're like oh yeah we've been like barely scraping by there was like a rebellion six months ago like Shit's not good here. And one of your first missions is like, all right, I'm going to go look at one of these planets. The the character you play is a Pathfinder who's like, for for all intents and purposes, it is a specter from the first ones, right? Like you are uh, somebody who is in charge of figuring out the new planets and where you can live, right? You said Pathfinder and then just the Moana soundtrack started playing in my head. (laughs) Wayfinder. Shouts out Moana. But uh, yeah, so like the the first, like I said, about four hours is a lot of like action and shooting and just kind of like getting a barrage of exposition and about a hundred new characters that you need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And at about the four hour mark, you start getting like actual uh, companions similar to the other games. And that's also when the first time you can like really explore your ship, you, you get like the not Normandy. I think it's called the Tempest in this the one. The not Normandy. <laughs> Yeah, just like totally a different not thing. the Normandy. It's a new ship, everyone. Don't complain. It's not the Normandy. <laughs> it's not the Normandy. Um, but you can sort of like wander around and have conversations with your your shipmates, which to me is like, okay, this is where the Mass Effect is happening. Jelly Hambers? Uh, there, there is no Jelly Hambers or Bashley Onsen. There's nobody in there. Is that her name or is that the actress? There's no poker. Um, there's no there's no poker in this one. Um, but like the cast is good. I think that they're like, well, let me take one step back. And I think a lot of what Andromeda is doing is it is trying to carve a new path for the series. Um, and I think you get that literally in the story, right? Like so the there there's all these reports about like how the designers of Majora's Mask when they were building it, they were under contract to build that game in like under a year, right? Like Whoa. just really, really fast. And a lot, the story that they ended up telling, right, is the story of like just repeating the same day over and over and over again and kind of feeling like it's not making a difference. So they're, they're telling their story. Yes. Yeah. Like Majora's Mask is very much autobiographical of what was going on with the development of Majora's Mask. And so I think you see a little bit of that in Andromeda where the game is concerned with like 
we are going so far away and doing everything different. And that's not always true, but I, I feel like that's a connective tissue with a lot of this game is just like, let's start over, right? We're going to make a new home. We're going to try and find like a new way to do Mass Effect. And so I think like the, the characters are all partially rooted in the history of the series, right? Like you yeah. have not Garrus as one of your, your main compatriots. Like she's a Larian. <laughs> she's a Turian. I think her name is Vecta or Veta or something like that. She's a Turian who like just gets shit done and like is really nice, but is very concerned with like outcomes and like making sure that something actually happens. Right. Sure. The practical one. The practical one. Yeah. You have uh, Korra, who is like your... The avatar? <laughs> the, the, you have the actual avatar on your ship. <laughs> um, she's gun bending in this one. Ooh, that's fun. But uh, she's like this biotic specialist who is is very much like a human character you know like she's kind of holding the the ashley johnson uh, is that is that the name ashley williams oh, ashley williams fuck's sake and the ashley, ashley johnson is the is, i know is the voice actress. i fuck it up every time <laughs> i think at this point they're interchangeable as far as the podcast is concerned sure, yeah it's, the, it's canon that they are interchangeable now <laughs> the lore states that those two things are the same person if we're talking about a bad person it's ashley williams in actuality yes. even ashley if we johnson say ashley seems johnson chill. she yeah. seems chill she's the voice of ellie seems cool <laughs> So the, she's Cora is kind of holding the place of an Ashley Williams, a little bit of Miranda, that sort of thing. I think they do put enough of a twist on it in that she was originally a an Asari commando, essentially. Like she was trained oh. with the Asari as cool as a biotic. Right. She's a human. So it, it, it is interesting to see her in that position. Um, but she's inherited a lot of like sayings and beliefs from the Asari, which is neat. You have PB, an Asari like PB? architect. P-B. P-E-E-B-E-E. <laughs> no. Yeah, there is a character named P-B in this one. Do they have a, do they have like a little pet named J? They do not have a pet named J in this one. Just, just P-B herself. That's a um, big missed opportunity. Anyways. <laughs> she's, uh, she's interesting. I think she's kind of playing like the corky one. She's weird, but, uh. Not like the other girls. She's not like other, uh, sorry. I, I, I think a, a technical issue that has remained in this game is that sometimes the dialogue is like just the tempo of it feels not right mm. like they're saying things and there is either too little or too much of a pause and the delivery kind of sounds like they maybe weren't in the room with each other when they were saying these lines sure yeah and so i think like characters like pb who are supposed to be these kind of like quirky off the wall characters come off really strange when they're doing a quirky or off the wall thing sure like when i'm reading through their like emails essentially that makes a lot more sense because there's I, I don't have the expectation of how they're saying something i'm just reading yeah. i'm like yeah i get that i understand who this person is but sometimes the dialogue does seem like why did they decide to do it like that anyway there, there, there's a lot in there um i I'm trying to judge this game and I try to do this the most, but I'm trying to judge this game ex like very clearly by its intentions. And I think that it, it is succeeding and failing in certain parts, right? Like mm. I, I think it is succeeding in that it is telling a different story than the first trilogy did, right? You are at least thus far. Um, you're mostly just trying to figure out how do I make a home for these people, right? How yeah. do I figure out how to change, like either terraform these planets or figure out a new place to live or something like that. Okay. I think all of that's pretty good. The like the, the parts of like not knowing how to lead or like what people need from you and like trying to give people enough hope to hold on to while they're like way out here in space is good. I think the kind of like politics that are going on on the Nexus with people who are like not intended to lead, right? Like they're 
people who are like uh, uh, the the main like director in charge was like eighth in line to like take over the director's position, but because a bunch of other people died right when they got there, it's him now, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think like the the back and forth there is really good. I, I think that the the characters, while kind of mixed and uneven, there are moments where I'm like, that feels really good. I really like this character interaction. I think the, the, the obviously they introduce a new alien race. They had to. Their whole thing is really good, and the character that you take on as a companion from that race is really good. All of that I think is doing really well. But in some parts, I'm like, I I do wonder if they had stuck to that intent a little harder if this game would have been any more well received right there's a lot of things where it's like i'm the pathfinder not a specter Mm-hmm. And this is not the Normandy and this is not Garrus. And so like, I, I, I assume that they were probably trying to walk a line of like, Hey, we still have stuff that you like from the original series, but it's also kind of caught in the middle of, we are trying to do a new thing. And yeah. I think the stuff that is really new does work And some of the stuff that's old. It does too. But that's the stuff that I find more mixed because I'm comparing it to like the highs of mass effect. Yeah. One, two, and three. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody can stand up to Garrus. No, I I know the Normandy like the back of my hand. I know exactly Mm -hmm. the layout of that ship. And so like, I think to put another one right in front of you and be be like, here's your ship for the game is kind of strange. Yeah. Or it feels weird. And, you know, maybe this is if (laughs) say if Zelda had just been Ocarina of Time directly over to Twilight Princess or something, you might have similar complaints, right? Of like, there are mm. these two games and I'm just comparing them right next to each other because they're so similar. But sure. because there were so many other ones to compare it against, I, I think I, it's it's not quite the same situation. Whereas with this, it's like I, I am so have I have the context of the original series just like right ready to roll whenever I'm playing this game. Mm-hmm. And so like part of me wonders, like, did they just have to do this to kind of like palette cleanse and part of me thinks that probably not because like tears of the kingdom came out and shows that you can do a follow-up that is kind of similar and totally amazing at the same time but uh yeah i i I think that like i said there are moments where i'm like this is mass effect this is really good um Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm out here doing a space adventure and that's all amazing I, i think just like mechanically they do really well with like kind of open area environments yeah. Where uh, there's a lot of like missions on a certain planet that you drive like the not Mako around on. <laughs> the Taco. Yeah, the Taco. <laughs> and you, you just like do other other stuff in that way, whereas the first one didn't really have that. It's a lot more linear. And so yeah. I think that's that's interesting, but it's it comes with a lot of caveats and a lot of like, you're going to have to get through this part or you're going to have to ignore the weird All facial animations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, for me, I'm going to keep playing it because I am having a good time. I'm interested in these characters. Like I'm interested in kind of more of their backstory and what's going on with them. Some more than others, but like, I, I want to know why they're here and why they chose to join the Andromeda program uh-huh. and like what, what their backstory is. So all of that's working for me. But like I said, you, you do have to also take the, the bad with the good here. It's not nearly as like universally good as those first three were. So was this was this still Bioware? Was this still the same team that made all of the the other three Mass Effects? Because wasn't there some sort of shakeup? Wasn't it like a different game game? Weren't the game directors different at this time? Because I, that would make a lot of sense. Why it kind of feels kind of stuck between the past and the present. Yeah, Casey Hudson, the creator of the Mass Effect series, left Bioware in May 2014, while Drew Carp Carpshin, I think is how you say it, writer of the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and the first two Mass Effect games, returned in 2015. Dragon's Age writer David Ge- uh, Guider left. Bioware in 2016. Chris Wynn and Chris uh, 
Schlerf, both of whom had an important role in the development of Mass Effect, Andromeda left in 2015, February 2016, respectively. And so it does sound like there's a lot of moving parts with yeah. this game. I think Andromeda came out in 2016, is that right? Yeah, it's 2017. So people were working on it and then they kind of left while it, it sounds was in like development. It, yeah, there, there's a lot of people who were there and then dipped. I, I also wonder like how much of Anthem played into this of like mm. they were just moving around resources from something to bank on Anthem for a little while. But that, that sure worked out, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people moving around. And but I like I said, I don't think that the intent of this game of like we're going to do something totally different is is unfounded, is is that off base, mm-hmm. because I think they were there. They it sounds like there were there were people who were working on the first three that weren't there anymore. And so it's like, what do we do? now where do we go and yeah. the answer is a whole nother galaxy let's try something different do something else but also take inspiration from the first one yeah first three i should say right and i like when i'm thinking of of media like this and especially mass effect ideally i would want a game that isn't like those first three i think the yeah you can't do another word like universe ending threat like that and have it kind of mm-hmm. leave the stakes intact i i think it makes sense to be like we're gonna do a different kind of story but but there just are there are some rough edges on it that i don't think are perfect but there is still a lot to love here and, and i and i am i'm loving a lot of it I, I think there's there's good stuff in here cool nice what video games are you playing david mostly just tears of the kingdom right now yeah hell yeah i'm fully in it it's got me sucked in I am, I'm just, I'm gliding everywhere. I'm gliding through the sky. Yeah, absolutely. Going through the big sky view towers and just getting blasted way it's up so there. It's so much fun. And then just trying to, f- look, looking down and just seeing where my eye wants to take me. That's kind of how I've been playing the game. Mm-hmm. So I just go and find a new sky view tower, get blasted up, see what seems interesting from the sky, glide down and enjoy it, experience it, get fucked up by some scary hydras. And just keep on, keep on trucking afterwards. It's such, a, it's such a fun game to just explore. Yeah, just wander aimlessly because there's so many things that just like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? Like, what is going on everywhere? That's pretty much the like. I feel like the first fifty hours of that game is just like, I don't yeah. know. Let's go see what this is. Yeah, it's just they, they, they know how to really pack the game full of things to do without also overburdening the player with things to do. It's a very yeah. fine line to walk and I think they do it expertly in this game. Yeah. Because never do I feel overwhelmed with things to do. I'm just like, oh, there's this thing over here. I'm just going to go check it out and see what's going on. Uh, and there's like three or four hours of stuff to do there. And I just move on <laughs> to the next thing. Uh, yeah. Visually, they do a good job of, you know, making one thing within like your eyesight the center of attention and like you can see things way off in the distance to seem like they're mm-hmm. they're interesting but there's it's there's obviously a lot of traversal you have to go through to get there like oh, i'll yeah. just i'll just stick around here right now it's fine um mm-hmm. but you keep that in the back of your mind and you like head over there afterwards so i think they they use the they, they space things very well in that game yeah. that are visually uh that, that visually draw the player to want to go and interact with them mm-hmm. and i think that's a a pretty impressive thing that they do in that game. Besides that, it's still, it means still Tears of the Kingdom. What else, what else can be said about this damn game at this point? Yeah. It's great. It's really fun. Yeah, it is really good. It's really good. What, just out of curiosity, where are you in it? Like, have you beat any more dungeons or anything like that? I'm just, I'm getting all the dragons tears right now. Oh, sweet. Okay. Cool. I'm going through and I'm, go, I'm blasting up into the sky and I'm, I'm really lurking, searching for hieroglyphics, the Nazca lines of, of Hyrule. It sounded like you were doing the, and I'm lurking, drifting, gliding, trying to get to you and that dragon. 
I mean, I maybe I'm always doing that a little bit in my heart, <laughs> just <laughs> with everything that I'm doing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I just I just got to know what's going on with this story. And I love yeah. like scary but sexy Ganondorf. I know it's so fucked up. Why did they have to make everybody so hot in this Everyone game? is so goddamn hot. What is going yeah. on? They gave him the real Hades treatment. Yeah, for sure. They were like, yo, what if we also made our characters just overwhelmingly cute? Yeah. What about that? What if Dorf wasn't like, looked like he smelled? What <laughs> if it looked like he smelled like, I don't know, charcoal and tobacco? Like a like yeah. a nice scented candle. Yeah, I bet he does. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I just, I really enjoy the cutscenes. They're great. And seeing what the heck is going on. The first game was just Ganon, wasn't it? It was just the pig, pig, mm-hmm. pig wizard. And now yeah. it's Ganondorf. It's the man. The dwarf man. Love that. I love that they're, love they're that. actually like two different types of characters. It's very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of evil incarnate and then like a guy. Yeah. A guy who is also evil incarnate yeah. on the inside yeah. so yeah it's it, it's great been plundering the depths i tried to make a death cycle but i just almost died i almost put myself <laughs> up somehow i'm not good at making these these vehicles i'm not good at it yeah that that one specifically that i was talking about before does need a little bit of finesse to get it right you really gotta finagle things correctly to get yeah. it to, to work do you do you have auto build i do but like the amount of zonite it takes to do these things is a lot Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend all my zonite on this as opposed to getting more energy cells, you know? Sure. I, I think there's there's places where you can find like the the fans and the control units that, that'll spit yeah. out of those like t- uh, machines that you can use for auto build, uh-huh. which like does reduce a little bit of the zonite cost. Mm-hmm. If you just like throw it on the ground before you do auto build. Sure. But it does require you to do that first build correctly, which is tough. Uh, that's that's the hard part. That's the hard yeah, part. Yeah. I, Cause I was trying to, I was doing that mission where you have to get that guy's, uh, that statue's eyes mm-hmm. down to mm-hmm. him from the great plateau. Yeah. And I tried to stick one of these eyes to one of those cycles and I was going yeah. up, up, up. And then all of a sudden it just lost balance completely. And I just <laughs> fell into a pile of, of gloom, <laughs> just right into a big old pile of gloom in the dark. And I, I died pretty quick. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was bad. That's a Zelda story. Dying in the gloom in the dark. The Zelda story. It's incredible. Anyways, still a great game. Lots mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, I've also been playing yeah. a bit more of Metal Gear Solid 3. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. This game is, I think, still really good. I love this game. Cool. I don't know if I want to get too into it right now because I know we want to do an episode on it. Yeah. But I will say that I'm playing a lot more in the uh, fixed camera mode in this game than oh, the first time I played it. Yeah. I feel like the fixed camera mode in some areas is superior. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. And and then when I get into that mode, I realize, oh, this is definitely how the game was intended to be played. Yeah. The design of it. This is what, sure. this is how they thought about this game because like being able to, especially when you're sneaking around an area with boxes of different heights, mm-hmm. you can really have a better idea of the guards. If you are in the, the fixed camera mode, uh, yeah. then if you're in third person, you're very confusing whether the guard can see you or not in mm-hmm. third person, but in the fixed camera, it's clear as day. Like, okay, I'm hidden right now. I'm just going to sit here. He's going to walk by. I'm going to shoot him. It's going to be fine. Third totally. person is there's, there's a lot more guesswork involved Mm -hmm. but i do like the ability to be able to switch between the two settings which is nice totally yeah but yeah i'm really i'm really enjoying it it's such a so classic such a classic (laughs) game 
It really is so good. Yeah. It's just, it's so Kojima. It's so wild, but at the same time, really is interesting how you can see it just laying like the philosophical groundwork for so much of the game to come, of the yeah. series to yeah. come, really. And I will say that I think a naked snake who will become big boss yeah. feels like an actual human being. <laughs> it's true. Whereas yeah. snake definitely feels like he is a genetic man, a genetically created man. Yeah. Not you also like meet Snake uh, from Metal Gear Solid One and Two like much farther into his history, right? Like exactly. This is the this is the first game where the proto big boss is like doing a mission, and so you kind of see him being a little a little bit greener, a little bit less uh-huh. uh, like burned by the world, a little fa- more fallible. Yes, yeah, right. He gets yeah. his ass handed to him by the by the boss. It's Multiple so amazing. times in I, the beginning. <laughs> I love when he gets his ass kicked by the boss. It's so amazing. And that's just, yeah, just the angles of like all of his bones getting broken each time. Yeah. And then just how clearly inferior he is to the boss. It's like not even a question. She like dismantles his gun and breaks his arm immediately. And she's not even breaking a sweat. She's like, yeah. you're a child. Get out of here. <laughs> why are you he- Why are you back? I, t- I threw you into a fucking river because yeah. I still have like some love for you. Mm-hmm. And you still crawled your way back here. And now I have to beat your ass again. <laughs> So it's, it's such a great dynamic between those two characters and just the different philosophies that they're they're arguing yeah, and, and yeah. representing. Uh, it's so good. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to play the rest of the game. I'm not, I'm still not, uh, I'm decently far into it at this point. What is, what's the last thing you did? Well, actually, no, I just, I just fought Revolver Ocelot and I'm not that far. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but again, that is the point where I played that game like for an entire Sunday and just beat the rest of it. So mm-hmm. if you are truly, if you're very motivated, you can play a lot of that game. And I, you're I believe not that, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to to play this again. I think this was this playing this game again was worth it to bring my PlayStation Three here on the plane and haul it around the airport Hell from yeah. my parents' house. <laughs> it's, it's a so heavy good. machine. It's a it's a big boy. It's the original PS Three. That's a, that's a large unit. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I've been playing. Sweet. Well, in that case, David, do you have something fueling your sense of optimism this week? Yeah, it's a nice like legendary or magic sword. Oh hell yeah, absolutely. Always love it. Or it's like a legendary or magic weapon of some sort. Anything really? Yeah. yeah, like a weapon that's been talked about in the game a lot, and then you all of a sudden mm-hmm. you get it. You're like, oh fuck, I get this thing. <laughs> this is awesome. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Specifically thinking about Master Sword in sure. Tears of the Kingdom. Haven't gotten it back yet, but I'm getting close, I feel. Cool. And then just, yeah, just anytime in a game where you get just a a, a sweet looking powerful sword of legend of some sort. Mm-hmm. Always just makes the little kid in me so unreasonably happy. Yeah. I do think if a game sets it up correctly, like the good sword hits a lot harder than like, oh, I got a really good drop from this enemy or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because when it's when it's something that is mentioned in game mm-hmm. specifically, it just makes you feel so much more a part of that world and that lore. Yeah. When it's like, oh, now I am the wielder of this thing. I feel like the golden gun and golden eye. Ooh. It's like a, a big one. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. One shot kill. One shot kill, dude. Got to be careful. When you get the blades <laughs> of chaos again in God of War. Oh my god! Yeah, that's a good one. It's really good. <laughs> this part was so good in that game. The music in that section I thought was astounding too. Can I tell you about something feeling my sense of optimism this week, David? Yes, please. It's a character creator. Ooh, like a really deep one where you can make something really <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, dude. 
Did I ever send you a picture of my Dark Souls 3 character? I don't know if you did. Oh, dude, he's a fucking abomination. <laughs> Every now and then you'll send me a haunting picture of something that you've built, <laughs> but I don't think I've gotten Dark Souls 3 before. A honking picture of a something? A honking, a honking picture. I, I haven't talked about it because I'm not quite deep enough into it yet, but I've been playing Street Fighter 6. Oh, and, uh, oh yeah. There's a very good character creator and which I've resurrected my uh, UFC lore version of wario where he's like a kicking monster oh yeah 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 and so i've built that guy in in street fighter which is incredible it's very fun <laughs> wario kickman yeah terrifying wario the kicking terror uh it's <laughs> it's really fun i will say too like the single player in that game is like really really fun really it's one of the the better fighting game single players i've played before what, what's so good about it or unless you want to save it for when you actually want to talk about it on the pod i'll give you the like 10 second pitch is essentially like it is a yakuza game in a street fighter game uh, where like okay. you you wander around an overworld you can fight sure. fucking anybody anyone you can challenge a fight to just like some hey, businessman exactly <laughs> I, I haven't fought in a kid yet but the there's just like a business guy that you're like i i want to fight you and like the lore of the world is such that everybody is really into fighting all and right so, grandma let's fucking go exactly it's so it, it's really fun <laughs> it just it's just ridiculous it's not taking itself that seriously but it that's is great campy and fun and amazing so yeah it's really good it's one of the better oh, yeah. ones all right Struggling to think of anything outside of like Soul Calibur that the, the single mm. player is as good in. Wow. Okay. Truly really great. Noted. But uh, we'll, we'll save that one for a later date. Uh, do you want to move on to our main thing though, David? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Hey, welcome to Good Games. It's the segment where we talk about the okayest games from yesteryear and gush all the things that we love about them. Video games, we're back talking about them. Uh, we got got a request uh, a little while ago, actually, now. So it's been sitting in the backlog. So uh, thanks for waiting on this one, Joe P. Joe P. But we are covering Musashi Samurai Legend. Yes. Which is a video game. Had you played this at all? No, I'd never heard of it. Neither had I. There was like a PS1 version of a Musashi game, Brave Fencer. Brave Fencer, was, yeah. Yeah, which was on some demo disc. I don't remember which one, but I played that a fair amount. And like, oh, if I remember correctly, okay. it was pretty fun. Very different game from what I saw. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It was like a top down, like kind of brawler almost. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, this one, this one I hadn't really heard of, which is cool. It's mm -hmm. a brand new experience. Sure is. Before we get too far, David, can I hit you with some hot stats about this game? Please. Cool. Hot stats. Hot stats. Um, so Masashi Samurai Legend came out on March 15th of 2005. So this is, I think contextually, this is important, a little over half a year away from Kingdom Hearts 2 launching <laughs> and a yeah. um, little over a year away from the PS3 launching. So it's kind of towards the end of the PlayStation 2's life cycle. Yeah. It was developed by Square Enix, uh, which you'll know from them making every video game. Um, <laughs> no, they're, they're the Final Fantasy folks, the Kingdom Hearts folks, a lot of, a lot of that era of, of Square is uh, pretty famous at this point. Mm -hmm. A lot of good games in there. A lot of, a lot of specifically RPGs, I will say. Let's see. I do have a review of Musashi Samurai Legend. Uh, this one's from Joe Video, of course. Beautiful. Uh, I, I took their review and I ran it through Google Translate a number of times, one, one language into the other, eventually arriving back in English. 
with a mangled and artistic interpretation of said review, which I will now read for you, David, to get an impression of what they are talking about. Of On Musashi Samurai Legend, Joe Video had to say, Despite some new glitches and bugs in the game, Musashi, the legend of the samurai, is one of those games that has concepts. Spacious, packed with great music, and most importantly, incredible accessible, the Square Enix brand is stunning. The French <laughs> translation is also a good reason to get this game. Huh. Also, this item is nothing special, so before you try it, simple and complex. <laughs> <laughs> Almost got you at the Whoa. simple and clean jump scare there Whoa. at the end. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you got me with the simple and clean rug pull instead. Mm -hmm. I thought it was coming. But no. Me too. I was like almost wanting the uh, the translator to spit out what I needed. But Simple couldn't. and complex. <laughs> yeah, that's the Musashi version of Kingdom Hearts. Contradictory, so I appreciate it. Yeah, it's got some, it's got some meat on them bones. You really got to digest it. You know? Simple and complex. <laughs> Sounds like how, a way that someone would describe a wine. Yeah, exactly. Just nonsensical. Yeah. Hey, could you tell me what this game is, David? Musashi Samurai Legend is a third-person hack-and-slash game with some RPG elements mm -hmm. where you take the, the role of Musashi, a samurai boy who gets teleported to this world that he is not a part of by the summoner princess to fight G G Grand Drake? Grand Drake. Yeah, Grand Drake. I think so. One of those. Yeah, the bad guy who is like the leader yeah. of like some evil corporation that is an energy company that is destroying their planet, it which is wild. Shinra. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very Final Fantasy VII. I was going to say very uh, Texas oil man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shinra. <laughs> that's that's what know. I was going to say. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah. So yeah, you are you are essentially fighting this corporation's henchmen to rescue this princess that has been also captured and save this world. And you have yeah. some, you have some swords. You have some, some, some jumping. Uh, and the, I think the coolest thing that this game was doing was that you can duplicate people's moves, all like Kirby in a in a weird yeah. way, like Sadist yeah. Kirby, where you have to get hit <laughs> by this move to to copy it. Mm -hmm. And then you can you can do some pretty interesting things. But uh, pretty much every enemy has a move that you can copy if you if you do it the right way. Uh, you have to like target them and and have them have them on target lock for a certain amount of time. And then if you parry the move at the right instant, you copy that that attack or the power yeah. of that attack, uh, which is pretty. It's pretty pretty interesting mechanic i thought i thought it was pretty cool yeah that was the first thing on my list of things that i liked about this game was that mechanic specifically yeah it's really fascinating and i don't know that i've really seen that otherwhere uh, other than like like you said kirby with yeah the way that kirby does it yeah copyability sure but not like where you really have to think about how you're timing it to steal this ability as as opposed to copying it it more feels like you're stealing it because it's much more of a skill check to do this in a, in a kirby game <laughs> Yeah. Very easy to do in a Kirby game, but when I was doing this, I was fucking up so much to get these moves. It was it was kind of hard for me. I don't know if you had difficulty too, but I thought it was the timing was a little difficult. The first like 10 times I tried to do it, it was tough. And then I think like once I got the the, the realization that I have to press it like just right after they hit me, um, it got a mm -hmm. little bit easier. Sure. But yeah, the, the, I was doing a lot of getting hit before that. Yeah. I just died once trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's fascinating. And like I think unlike the Kirby games where you only keep that power for a little while, like that move is now a part of your repertoire forever. 
which is yeah, like, it is it's in your inventory at this point which is uh cool because it seems like there's a lot of enemies so you can potentially rack up a lot of moves but it's also kind of intimidating because like i was always a little worried of like did i miss like in a really important part of my attack repertoire now mm-hmm. like do i not have like my combos or anything sure, yeah exactly right which i don't think is the case because like there aren't that many enemies to begin with but still mm-hmm. i was a little bit like i really gotta be sure to get the move whenever a new person shows up yeah yeah it makes it, it uh whenever you find a new enemy it makes it exciting not just to fight them but to like see what kind of power up you get from fighting them yeah it's pretty yeah. cool yeah no i totally agree i think that was like a really really novel part about it i think it's interesting that they have that as a mechanic when musashi is a famous samurai duelist yes yeah right so it's kind of an an interesting homage to that of you know i'm fighting my opponent and as i'm fighting them i'm also learning and improving myself as a fighter so i think that's cool kind of i don't know warrior mentality that this game (laughs) that this game evokes with that he's got the prince of all saiyans built into his blood (laughs) and then musashi turns around there's a big m on his head and he's got dark eyes he's got smoky eyes now Yeah, no, it's a, it, it was a cool mechanic. I, I really enjoyed it. And I mm-hmm. also think that there's there's a lot to love in this game. I thought this one was I good agreed. as fuck, just overall. Yeah. I, I, had, I had a good time. I had a good time with this game. It was goofy as hell in some spots. Yes, yeah. But then uh, in other spots was pretty pretty interesting in what it was trying to do. Yeah, I, this, I mean, like, I feel like so much of this game has my name written on it. I like mean, the, start with Tetsuya Nomura. Oh my god, dude. My man is and the on zippers. Full, the full display with the, the design of some of these characters, man. <laughs> yeah. Gandrake came out and I was like, that is a Final Fan. That is a, a Kingdom Hearts <laughs> character right there. That is Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, so many zippers, so many big baggy jeans for no good reason. Yeah. Zippers and baggy jeans and a very tight shirts. Very tight shirts. Big yeah, baggy pants yeah. and zippers. That's his thing. <laughs> And big old, big, uh, big fucking hands too. The hands <laughs> on this lad, my god, very Massive. large. It was it was bizarre, but I I I love these designs. I think like at the time, it almost uh, there's almost a little bit of campiness in it, and there still is. But I, I like I think these have aged so well. They're just like so of the moment that they're kind of like instantly recognizable as Absolutely. a Nomura design of just yeah. like yeah, I like. If if this was any other game, Musashi would be dressed in like old medieval clothes and the princess you're going to rescue would be like in a dress or also medieval clothes or something. Mm-hmm. But instead they're in like jeans and shorts and like a tank top. And shit yeah. Like that. It's so amazing. It's, it's like a weird like tech punk almost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very unique. Looks a lot mm-hmm. like the characters from uh, The World Ends With You, which is also Nomura. That's what I was going to. That's what that's what it really reminded me of more than anything, especially especially Musashi. Yes. Yeah. And like, I, I think they all kind of had this, this like common DNA with Kingdom Hearts, but I, I feel like the like almost streetwear influence that that game had and this one has too is it's in there. It's neat. Streetwear. Yeah. What about this game? Uh, I love the visual style of this thing. Like outside of the character design. Agreed. I, I was playing this like upscaled a little bit. Great Steam Deck game, by the way. Mm. I was playing it at like, I think it's just two times whatever the resolution is. Um, and that looked so good. Uh, just even the little bit of upscaling that it does there just made everything look so bright and colorful and clean. Uh, I, I feel like the... Uh, I know, you I, say. I, I, it's almost, it's almost <laughs> simple. Um, <laughs> it, I, I just thought it looked like it, it aged incredibly well, even with the small kind of like fixes that I was doing on, on my end. 
I like the color palette is amazing. I think the visual style is really good. I think it does kind of look like Mega Man Legends. And so I think that's why I'm so into it. But it's just like very mm. bright, which I mm-hmm. really appreciate. Like, especially once you get to that first city, which is in a sky whale, which yeah. is so fucking cool. <laughs> a fucking squale. <laughs> it's so sick. I love like when they like said like, well, we're in the sky now. And then it like zoomed out into the, the view of the whale in the beginning. Like, this <laughs> uh-huh. is so fucking good. I'm so I, into this. I really appreciated how there's like a hole in the wall of the city and you can see the clouds moving by at a pretty mm-hmm. decent clip. You're like, this whale is hauling ass through yeah, the sky. Yeah, really quick. Loved that conceit. Just like the whole, the whole design of it, I thought was like, it's got this kind of like optimistic view built into it which i love that shit that was, that was really fucking good man uh-huh like we can do it we can do anything yeah and musashi too is just like head empty save princess man like my man is just he's got nothing going on behind his eyes it's just like hey i'm here to f- fucking fight and save people i yeah. don't know he's got some himbo energy yes it's it's amazing i, re- I really like that. yeah also he kind of like i feel like he's trying to talk like keanu reeves from bill and ted's <laughs> excellent adventure it's so weird is that right did you get that vibe yeah I, I i i didn't clock bill and ted but i get what you're saying mm-hmm. it's it's bizarre the voice acting in this game is otherworldly which is so so strange he called that guy whisker dude in the beginning yes the the whole thing is just like what what are we trying to do with the voice acting which yeah sidebar i was gonna bring up like how this game was reviewed at the time Uh uh-huh and that was a big complaint from people was that the voice acting was bad and i understand the complaint that it is it is bad but i loved it whenever this dumb dumb man opened his mouth because some (laughs) weird shit was about to come out yeah it was totally unpredictable i never had any idea what he was gonna say (laughs) which i enjoyed in like dire circumstances he's gonna say some weird shit yeah some optimistic but dumb thing it's amazing I, I guess like on, on the topic of the reviews and stuff like that, it was really weird to see people review this game. Um, I watched like X-Play's review of it because mm. I was a big fan at the time, but I feel like a lot, a lot of those reviews recently are not aging particularly well. Sure. And like th- this isn't the review of Bait and Kaito's quite that big of a bummer, but like they essentially said like, why would you buy this when Kingdom Hearts 2 is right around the corner? And like, mm. I understand that in concept, right? Like undoubtedly to me, Kingdom Hearts 2 is a, I'm, I'm reluctant to call it better. It's a, it's a much higher quality video game sure. and like certainly longer than this one is. But like, I feel like these games are going for totally different things. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. Like the tone of it is different. The story is wildly different. The world is really different. Mm-hmm. Like the, the only thing kind of has in common is that it's like a 3D fighter, but even then, it's it's still pretty Doesn't different. Control than, the same, not no. at all. No. Um, and I, I saw that a lot in these reviews at the time of people kind of complaining about that. And it just, it, in in hindsight, I feel like that doesn't really hold up. Just like a little similarities in the visual style. Is that what people are comparing it for? I guess. I, I think it's mm. just like they saw on paper that this is like a 3D action adventure game. And they're like, well, what other kinds of those do we have without really like engaging with the substance of this game and like trying mm. to see what it's trying to do? Because like, even if the game was unintentionally being being weird with how these lines are delivered and the story just kind of being all over the place and like you beat a boss and then your like cat sensei shows up and is like we're gonna go somewhere else now and then you just teleport there like yeah it's it's just very different i i think that 
intentional or not, it's it's just a very different experience. It's very, it's a lot more happy-go-lucky and like it kind of doesn't give a care in a way that Kingdom Hearts 2 really gives a care. Kingdom Hearts 2 definitely really cares about a lot of <laughs> yeah. things. And like I like that about that game, but mm-hmm. they're, they're just so different. And so I feel like comparing them is just like not the right way to approach this. No, I agree. I think they're 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 just wildly different, really. When you when you look at what they are trying to accomplish, besides just some basic similarities on a very low level of looking yeah. at the game, but you know, I think they they both set out and achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah, and I think this game is has has a, like a smaller scope in a way than than a Kingdom Hearts because it's not so concerned with so many higher level. I, I mean, I don't know if I even say it higher level, but <laughs> higher level vibes that yeah. Kingdom Hearts has. So much lore involved. Yeah. Whereas this is more, uh, it, it's a it's a smaller. I don't know if I could even say it's a smaller scope because it is a very grand story. Yeah, but just what it's it's not trying to say as much, I guess, as the mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts is trying to say, right? Which is fine, right? Yeah, it's, like, not, it's not a that's that's cool. not a knock on the game. It's just it's yeah, not yeah. trying to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I feel like at the time and and even before that, like I feel like just games were so concerned with like trying to get to that like er game, like er game. Like the, the 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 platonic ideal of a video game, you know. Sure. I think it's why people were chasing after like GTA for a while, as like we want a game where you could do fucking everything and yeah. like the ultimate huge. sandbox. Yeah, and like the the game goes on forever, and there's so much storytelling and all this sort of stuff. And like I think that that breached its log- logical conclusion a while ago. Yeah, I think like with GTA five, I think with the design of like those Ubisoft games that just allow you to go everywhere and do everything. Mm -hmm. And even like kind of with The Last of Us, where it's like we know how to tell a kind of TV or movie story in a video game. Yeah. And so I think you it's not surprising to see stuff like Tears of the Kingdom coming back around again, where it's like we are trying to tell a video game story. And that's maybe something different. It can include all of that, but that there is a, a more comfortability with like a sparser design ideology when building those games. And I think it makes games like this a lot more palatable, mm-hmm. where if the setup is Musashi is coming in to save this person and like he's a weird samurai, I'm on board, man. I'm there. Yeah. Like, I'm I don't okay need that. more than that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think this game has weirdly held up pretty well. Yeah, no, I see that. Yeah, it's it's true. I think there was there was this period of like of, of maximalism in games where it's like this game is going to be everything you've ever wanted any game to ever be. <laughs> yes. And that's what yeah. this is. And Musashi's like, I'm just a weird little guy who came from a different <laughs> world and it has two swords and I swing around and I can learn some things if I get hit in the face hard enough. It's yeah. great. And also we're on a flying whale. <laughs> yeah, also, dude. we're on a fucking flying whale and I got so many zippers and my hair is so fucking weird i got i got tail hair it's the weird it's very strange thing it's got this long like ponytail that has a mind of its own it just kind of like wanders around constantly in all the cut scenes it's very it's very distracting (laughs) like i'm just like following this weird hair like tendril that he has It, it is very distracting i was i was constantly sort of looking at where that was gonna go yeah uh joe had mentioned a couple things about this game when he had suggested it he had said that uh This is a game I loved as a kid, but I think it may have been one of those situations where I had a limited number of games and found the fun in the ones that I was playing, which I I think is certainly true. There's part of that here. But like, I think this game also kind of is good. Like, I I think there's a part of it that isn't just like I was finding the fun in this, that there is there is fun here and it's trying to find you, too. It's it's a very it's a very narrow game in its scope, but it it does that what it's trying to do well. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Joe had also mentioned when talking about this that uh, he was like, he said he was desperate for like any sort of like action RPG adjacent games. Uh huh. Um, and he said it was almost certainly a game he picked up after really enjoying Kingdom Hearts. So like, I get how the connection is there. Makes sense. But yeah, I, th- I think it is kind of helpful to see these as, as different games because they are offering such different stuff. Because like, even still, I think the action fighting in Kingdom Hearts is like, it's still pretty good. Still pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not bad in this game, but it reminds me a lot more of like Onimusha or something like that, where sure. combat isn't that complex. It isn't no. that wild. Yeah. It's, it's pretty straightforward. The coolest thing is that you get to learn those different moves. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if you didn't have that ability, the combat will feel, I think, a lot more stale. But yeah, I think totally. it really gets saved by that. You know, it really makes it feel a lot more dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it makes each encounter with a new enemy more exciting. Because so you're like, ooh, I wonder what I get the, I wonder what I can get from this person that yeah. I can use. Totally. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a really interesting and fun game game mechanic. I'm with you. I, I wish that they would have let me turn off Musashi's voice when he is fighting because he makes the same <laughs> ah, every single time he, he sure swings does. his sword, which yep. is made a little bit easier when you get longer combos and you don't, have, you don't have to hear exactly the same thing. But like, yeah, me, oh my, <laughs> just like, don't do that line so many times. Yeah. On a similar vein, I was, yeah. I really wish that they had chose a different direction for whisker dude's voice yeah absolutely definitely is not appropriate (laughs) yeah i don't think and like it's it's so weird it seems like they're like trying to be this like sensei figure but also a cat and i feel like that really gets lost in the mix and just kind of comes off as like kind of insensitive you know yeah they gave him kind of just insensitive yeah they give him a very uh stereotypical like asian immigrant way like cadence of speaking like omits specific words and sentences in specific ways and that 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 part was probably the the part that took me out of the game the most i'm like wow this does not age well whatsoever i see what they're going for they're going for like a mr miyagi type of type of deal there yeah but does not doesn't hit well feels bad man yeah playing it feels bad but besides that the game was the game was pretty good and it's interesting because it is made by a japanese developer but i'm like who was the one who decided in the english casting that this is how this player this this character would sound yeah because like you could do it and it not be that big of a deal yeah you, you could, could just, just make him sound like a cat like a person yeah. yeah a cat would have worked fine like, that's yeah. fine that's enough that's enough yeah i'm with you because then you have the people in the whale who are like white folks and they all speak just tip normally yeah just normal <laughs> just like, english oh, yeah. this isn't good <laughs> yeah i feel yeah it was definitely a misstep i, I yeah. also was like kind of skipping through the dialogue of like i don't, I don't think i want to hang out with with mr Catman. no no a little bit of a bummer in an otherwise fun experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that there's a lot to love in this game. A lot of a lot of really cool stuff that I think shines great in 2023 other than sort of the cultural stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Good game. Good game. Thanks, Joe, for your suggestion. I think Joe might have also suggested Custom Robo, which like... There's a, sim- there's a, there's a similarity there. Is absolutely between those a two similarity. Games. Um, yeah, Custom Robo on GameCube. Definitely a a kind of chipper but good video game collection there mm-hmm. anime inspired little anime yeah totally uh, anyway thanks joe appreciate you appreciate uh, your suggestion yeah thank you it was great
If you want to visit our website that Chase lovingly, painstakingly made with his fingers and his brain, you can visit podtimism.com. It has our backlog on there. It has all of the previous photoshops Chase has made for all of the covers. They look great. They're beautiful. Uh, You you can uh, search our backlog for any game that we've ever mentioned in any episode. Uh, If you're curious, we've ever talked about anything that you like. Uh, And of course, you can also suggest games for us to do or like suggest segments for us to do. Suggest anything for us to do so long as as it is legal, I guess, right? (laughs) I suggest you (laughs) rob a bank. <laughs> well, they say they, they suggest it, so we gotta do it. I'll do anything for the pod, man. Sorry, Joe Byron. <laughs> <laughs> and then also has links to our social media accounts. We don't post on there too often anymore, I don't think. But not really. Uh, you can go check them out and see what we've posted in the past. It's true. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Wilkinson, for our beautiful podcast art. Yeah. Uh, we love it. Uh, it's great. We love being the Flower Boys. And if you also are interested in Scout's art, you can visit co-fi.com slash humblegoat, yeah. uh, where you can see if her commissions are open. I think they were last time I checked. They were last time. Chase probably snatched up all of them to create some weird <laughs> some weird little guy that yeah, he wants. Piece together something horrifying. You make me a weird a weird little Cthulhu guy. <laughs> she did that. <laughs> she made you a, a, a big, scary Cthulhu guy. That is also true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you really want to help out the pod, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Mm-hmm. It really helps or just any sort of, you know, podcast you use if it has a review option or follow-up option. Yeah. We love that. Thank you very much. You can also spread the word through your mouth, by your mouth, uh, to friends, people you know. <laughs> a great organic way to to spread the, the pod-to-mystic word. Uh, mm-hmm. And we would appreciate that too. And lastly, thank you so much for listening, listener. It's, it's pretty amazing that people listen to this podcast still yeah after all this time we've been doing this for what like three years now something like that yeah that's crazy it's crazy so yeah it's it's really special and we love doing it so thank you thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it chase do you have any gaming wisdom for the week you can also you can also give me middle class chain restaurant wisdom if you want (laughs) (sighs) okay that's that's really tempting I'm flying back. I'm flying back to Sacramento this weekend, and so I am oh, tempted to get shit. my middle class. Fancy. Okay, what what is your what are your what is your power ranking for Sacramento middle class chain restaurants? Like, if you could go to when you're back there, which one are you going to, and why? And what would be like your runner up and your third? Give me your, give me your top three. So this is like t- total personal preference. I'm a big Outback Steakhouse guy, man. Outback Steakhouse. Okay, I'm a big more fan than of more that. than Black Angus, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. Dang. Love the vi- love the vibe in there. To be honest, you love and you like, love the Australian vibe as opposed <laughs> to like the like the 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 steakhouse vibe. Yeah, I think so. Because like I think Black Angus doesn't get close enough to an actual steakhouse. Whereas like That's I haven't true. been to Australia. I don't know what it's like over there. Maybe it's like this. <laughs> I don't know what an Australian work of steakhouse is like. <laughs> yeah, but Black Angus's molasses bread does slap. It does. It does. I, I'm totally with you there. Okay. Okay. Just so we're just so we're clear. And there are there are Outback Steakhouses in Seattle, but they're kind of far from where I live. <laughs> I was about to say. I thought you were going to say they're not as good as the one in Sac. Just be like, damn. <laughs> and so, like, if I'm like trying to go and like have a big old beer or something like that, I also have to drive half an hour to do that afterwards. And so, like, eh, I don't really want to do that. But like, there's some very centrally located Outback Steakhouses in Sac. I can I can go to how. Uh, how about Arden? Go get me some nasty steaks. Stay- <laughs> Do you get the bloom and onion? Um, I typically don't because I'm not brave enough. They <laughs> used to have like brave enough. 
they used to have like blooming petals, which was like a fourth of an onion that they the had made. The onion is massive. It's so much. I don't it's a lot need of oil. That mu- yes, I don't need that much blooming in my life. Mm. But if I could just have a little, that would be great. You just, also, you been, just want a taste of onion. A taste I, of the I, bloom. I, I, I'm also kind of an onion freak. And so like, I do like eating onions. Oh, an onion freak is a good thing. It's a fan of onions. Fan of onions. Yes. Okay. White or, or red or yellow? Uh, white onions. White onions. Well, uh, yellow or white, actually. Either one is chill. Wow, no red onion. You like the sweet onion. I, uh, I would fuck with the red onion if it is on a sandwich or a burger. But not, not but just not, to bite not, into. Not a, not a, yeah, you don't want an onion, a, a red onion ring. No. No, I do not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It might, I, Honestly, it might be BJ's. On, might be on that list Ooh, the brew house huh the, the brew house they like they okay. have a wildly gigantic menu but like it's there's huge some, there's some good it's stuff like a, in there they just come by with a fucking tome and lay mm-hmm. that on the on the table here's the bj's bible please consult john 316 <laughs> if you want to get a pizza that's definitely a porno john 316 or the bj's bible the bj's bible john's 369 is the <laughs> is the subtitle <laughs> yeah john 369 hell yeah i love that <laughs> okay so that's two what's the third one is it gonna be chevy's oh i would fuck with chevy's to be honest like returning home just like mommy used to make them dude or buka de bep we do have a buka de bep in like downtown seattle here so, oh, like, so you're not you're not jonesing for it i'm not jonesing for it but chevy's that's like a very specifically california thing i would love some not mexican food from chevy's some american mexican food their uh their flautas are actually pretty fucking good hey it's not a bad thing it's cali mex is its own thing your boy used to work there man always got to go home <laughs> should walk in and just be like uh fresh meat huh daddy's home <laughs> the worst guy you should just be the guy who just peaked when he worked at chevy's oh man what be a like, tough well, they just let anyone they just let anyone work here nowadays huh oh man there's there's a story in there there's there's a movie about that person you really don't have to say much else and you already get the whole thing you understand that guy is yeah Yeah. everyone knows a guy kind of like that yeah unfortunately enough and it's me david i'm gonna be that guy this weekend chut butby is coming to town chut butby is coming to chevy's (laughs) see you next week gamers see ya bye